welcome to the show. You are listening to the We Podcast, where we speak, we grow, we rise. I'm your host, Sarah Moneres, and I am so excited for you to be here with me today. This is the very first episode of the We Podcast. I cannot tell you how long (laughs) this dream has been in the works, and here we are. I am over the moon excited. I'm nervous. I'm lots of different things. (laughs) And here I am. So today, in the very first episode, I'm going to tell you a bit about my heart, the mission of the WE podcast, and what to look forward to uh, in all of the episodes to come. So WE is my theme because I believe that we need each other. We can also stand for women empowerment. I do work with men too, but women have my heart. I know the struggles of women very, very well, and it's my desire to want to help women truly live the life that they dream of, truly be able to be whole within their own self, to look to their own self, their own heart, to be able to fulfill themselves to to be happy, to grow, all of those things, really to pour into women so they can fill themselves up and then later be able to pour into others as well. I think that's the way it works. (laughs) So this is really a community to link arms, to journey together. To start out, I want to tell you a little bit about myself and my journey and what's brought me here. So I have a bit of a story. I'm not going to tell you every detail of that story today. (laughs) Maybe that will come out in the future, the the whole story, but we really don't have enough time for that (laughs) in this episode. But I'm going to give you a general overview because I think my story has brought me to where I am today. My story has created this because of what I've gone through and because of the women I've talked to and their stories. I believe there's huge purpose and power in our stories. And when we tell them we're able to heal, but we're also able to help other women heal as well. Other men too. So My story, I grew up in Colorado. (laughs) I grew up riding horses. I grew up uh, being pretty active in the church. Um, I absolutely love horses still to this day. It's my dream to have another horse at some point. (laughs) So really, my story is one of a lot of details that I'm not going to go into, but I can tell you that early in my life, I had a major traumatic event as a young child, which really colored my journey. When I was really young, I was sexually abused by a um, babysitter's son. 
And so I didn't realize, of course, as a young child, the implications of that. But I was very quiet. I was very shy. Um, I kept a lot of things to myself. I learned really easily how to kind of shut parts of myself down. And then when I got older, I realized that you can't be selective about what you shut down, even though I thought you could. <laughs> I realized I was so unhappy and that it wasn't just the negative or the uncomfortable things that I could shut down. It was also the, the positive and the happy. So um, growing up, I kind of had this happen, didn't tell anybody, kept it to myself for a very long time. I uh, grew up in a very religious environment, which I will say here, I, I love Jesus, I love God. Um, I definitely have my own spiritual beliefs. Uh, and I think that we all need to have a spiritual journey. I don't know that it nece mine necessarily fits inside a pretty little box, <laughs> but I don't really think uh, any of us, any of us have an experience that really fits inside a box. Unfortunately, we think it's supposed to, but that's not really true. So. Growing up, though, I I held a lot of shame, um, I a lot of guilt. You know, there were issues with my parents in the church growing up where it got really very ugly. I saw a lot of judgment, uh, a lot of people being mean and hateful and hurtful, um, and so. As I grew up, I really just learned to keep my opinion to myself, shut my mouth, don't rock the boat, be quiet, just kind of put your head down and you'll get through life. But I became increasingly anxious. Um, I battled with severe levels of anxiety. Um, really, really, really low self-worth. Uh, as I got older, I learned how to hide it more and more and more. And so I thought, you know, on the outside, I was usually functioning fairly well uh, to other people. <laughs> but the reality was, is I wasn't functioning very well on the inside. So. As I got older, this was all a journey, right? I isolated myself. I didn't communicate with people. I didn't tell anybody what was really going on. And that's a very, very lonely feeling. I tried to fill that emptiness, the loneliness with things that were not good for me. Um, I became very self-destructive looking for love in all the wrong places, definitely looking for love in other people. My own value, my own worth was very much uh, wrapped up in everybody else around me. So 
I got through um, high school. I went to college and um, I think my self-destructiveness definitely got worse once I was in college. And my junior year of college, well, let, let's see, let me go back. <laughs> my sophomore year of college, I met a guy who um, was very loud, very uh, popular. Everybody knew him. He was funny. He was all of the things that I was not. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and that was very, very appealing to me. Very appealing to me. So I was drawn to him. And we ended up dating. He was uh, not... The nicest to me there was a lot of drama it was a very uh, unhealthy relationship and my uh, junior year I moved to Denver to try and get away uh, from that relationship and I didn't get very far <laughs> it did that was not effective okay so the saying wherever you go there you are yep very true so my junior year of college, I got pregnant with my daughter, Aubrey, who is now, this is going to date me. <laughs> She's now almost 18 and getting ready to graduate from high school, which is just absolutely wild. But um, I got pregnant with her. I moved back up north um, because I knew that I needed family support. I knew that. Uh, her dad would not be a support for me. I essentially knew from the beginning that I would be a single mom. So at this time, I got a lot of messages of, it's so sad. Uh, Sarah's ruined her life. She'll never make anything of herself. She's never going to graduate from college. Um, there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of talk. And I was very shameful. But at this point, the fire kicked in. <laughs> and when I say that, I mean the fire of watch me. That's really what carried me through for a long period of time. I think I still have that fire. <laughs> if somebody tells me I can't do something, uh, yeah, that, that motivates me even more. <laughs> so my, my mentality was watch me, watch me. I will make something of myself. So that was my first motivation was to prove everybody wrong. So I finished summer school, my junior year of college, uh, August 1st, Aubrey was born August 15th and I went back for my senior year of college, August 26th or something like that. So I'm entering my senior year of college with a newborn baby. I'm a single mom. Um, I don't have any support from dad. However, I did have a tribe of women around me. I didn't realize it at that time how lucky how blessed I really was. I had amazing friends uh, who helped me, who rallied around me, even though I was the first of my friends 
to have a baby. Um, they say you find out who your true friends are when something like that happens. That's very true. <laughs> it's very true. And I had some amazing friends who stood by me, helped me watch Aubrey. Um, my sister was huge. My mom, uh, I had just amazing support from my people. And so I made it through. It was hard. It was so hard. There would be nights. Aubrey did not like to sleep. I say she was born strong-willed. I think that's still true. <laughs> she never slept. And so uh, I'm a bit of a procrastinator and I would wait to write papers and she would wake up and I would go between um, putting her back to bed and and then when she would go back to sleep going back to the paper and then her waking up and that would go on all night so sometimes I would stay up all night just trying to get one paper done but I was determined I was absolutely determined now originally it started with watch me and I'm gonna prove it and once she was here <clears throat> That got replaced with my motivation for her. So after she was born, well, even when I was pregnant, it started to make this transition. But especially when she was here, I knew that I needed to grow and I needed to heal for her. That I needed to provide her with the very best life that I could. and so. It's really easy to make changes. <laughs> it, well, it was really easy for me to use that as fuel and motivation because it wasn't for me. It was outside of me. It was for her. And at this point, I still had not learned about myself. I still had no concept of the fact that I needed to be happy for me. I needed to take care of myself for her. I still lived in a world of guilt and shame and low self-worth um, and just really believing that I didn't have a lot to offer. I didn't measure up. I wasn't good enough. Because of the things I had done, I was just not worthy. I wasn't valuable. And so even though I had Aubrey and I was going to school and I was determined to graduate, which I did, I still was self-destructive in my relationships. Although it got much better, it, it was still there. And so after I graduated, I couldn't find a job with just a bachelor's degree. Um, I was working in retail. I didn't like it and I decided that I was going to go back to school. So I started graduate school when Aubrey was about a year old um, and I went back originally for school counseling. I figured I had been a teaching major and dropped my teaching emphasis because I wanted to graduate uh, because I had a baby. <laughs> so I decided that I had always loved people, I had always loved helping people, 
I love children. And so that was the path for me. So I got accepted into grad school. I started my program. This point is really when my true deep healing began. Uh, through graduate school, I learned so much about people and what we need and what's healthy and what's unhealthy and relationships and trauma and holy moly. It was like my world went from looking through a hole the size of a pin to just complete expansion and, and really started opening up. And so I got through graduate school. I ended up double majoring and getting a second master's degree in community counseling, marriage, and family therapy because I loved the actual counseling piece. I loved sitting with people. I was really good at sitting in those hard places with people uh, that a lot of a lot of people run away from because they're really uncomfortable with. So I graduated, I did internships, I got a job, I began my healing process. You know, it's really been a journey. I still had destructive relationships with men. However, I did not ever bring um, these relationships around Aubrey. At least I was smart enough to know that. <laughs> I still had a very low sense of worth. I still thought I needed to be in a relationship in order to be valuable. So finally about Oh, I think I was about 25 or 26. So Aubrey was five or six because I had her when I was 20. Um, I had kind of an awakening. A, a huge spiritual journey started for me at that point, And I realized that I was looking in the wrong places for my sense of self and for my value. And so I decided at that point I would not date anyone at all for a long period of time. I don't think I uh, set a designated time at that point. I can't really remember, but I know it had been about two years of me really focusing on myself, really focusing on my own growth, uh, reading books. That was a big one during that time. Uh, I was involved in a small group at my church, which was huge in my growth. Really just for the first time ever, diving into myself. And so after that two years, well, at the end of the two years, <laughs> I met my husband. And uh, we met through a mutual friend. He uh, wanted to date me, wanted to take me out on a date. I refused to answer his phone calls. <laughs> I uh, was still in this period of it's time for me to focus on myself. I'm not healthy enough to be in a relationship. But the cool thing is, is that we get sent the things we need when we need them. And I wasn't looking for a relationship at that point. Um, but 
he continued to pursue me. And then about after about two months, he gave up. <laughs> and we kind of didn't talk. And then one day out of the blue, my brother-in-law asked me if I had talked to him. And I said no, that I wasn't interested in a relationship. And he said, you need to call him. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. So I did. That was in the days of MySpace. <laughs> so what I did, I contacted him on MySpace. And we ended up uh, probably a week or two later going on our first date, which was to a wedding. Craziness. He asked me to go to a wedding with him on our first date. <laughs> but it was amazing. So I thought this could either go really good or really bad. <laughs> but it went really good. We were pretty much inseparable from that point. So I uh, married Nick in 2010. He adopted Aubrey. Just such such a blessing and such an answer to so many prayers. Um, but that doesn't mean it's been perfect by any means. <laughs> I like want to laugh when I, when I say that because we have our own set of issues, right? We all have our own struggles, our own conflicts with relationships comes a set of struggles if you don't know how to communicate, how to connect, how to deal with it. And so I really had learned to shut myself off to not let people know what was going on. So this started my new process of communicating, um, speaking out loud what was in my head, uh, letting, letting him know what I needed. Uh, how I felt. I had always really sheltered Aubrey from my feelings, what I was going through, what I what what I needed, because I I do believe that that's healthy in a parent-child relationship. So not until I had this relationship with Nick did I really have to start doing that at a deeper level. So we dated uh, for two years, got married, and I think the first year of marriage was definitely one of the very hardest years of our relationship. Yeah, it was difficult. <laughs> oh, I don't say that lightly. <laughs> it was hard. There were times where I was like, did I make that wrong decision? Like, did I marry the wrong person? Should we have gotten married? Man, all of those doubts, all of those um, fears, all of those things come boiling to the surface and you've got to deal with them. And so I figured out that this growth thing was a process, that each step I took, each thing I grew through, each each obstacle that I healed or resolved, then the next thing opened up and I had to learn that too. So that's been huge for me is understanding that there are different, it's, it's the layers of the onion, right? There are different layers 
and we get done with one and the next one opens up because we are meant to be constantly, constantly growing and learning. So after that, 2012, Logan was born. He's amazing, such a blessing to our family. Um, it just, the growth continued through all the different stages. Uh, we've had conflict, we've had fights, we have had periods where we've gone to couples counseling, we've had periods where we've all gone to counseling. Um, of course, since I'm a counselor, I didn't, I don't know if I told you that part, I believe in counseling. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> um, so I did. I, I did become a counselor. I have a private practice. Um, I've expanded my business online in the last year and a half. And here I am now with a podcast. Absolutely amazing. Now, here's the thing. I believe and I fully understand now in the value of a network, a tribe, a village, whatever it is that you want to call it, the, the need for connection for that group of people, that community is so, so vital to our growth. So that's my heart behind this podcast is really to create a space for you to listen every week to people's stories, to get tools, to get support. Um, having a community, a village. Sometimes I really think it's a matter of being able to know and understand that you're not the only one that feels a certain way. You're not the only one that has a hard time. You're not the only one who has thought some of the things you've thought. Sometimes I think we just need it to be normalized. We just need to know that we're not alone. So. My process here has been a process of coming out of my own head, being able to speak my truth, being able to be vulnerable. I will tell you a couple of years ago, just a couple of years ago, I got to a place in my life where I made a conscious decision and I told Nick this also. I can't hide anymore. I know that the message that's in my heart, my story, the things I've gone through, the things I've overcome, the people I've talked to, the things that I know others have overcome, all of these things need to be spoken. And I was so afraid, so very afraid. I feel like I had known this for a while probably a few years, I told a couple of the, uh, my dear friends about it. Uh, and that was it. I didn't tell anybody else. And I actively found ways to run the other direction, filling my time with things that weren't helpful, things that were distractions, things that weren't getting me closer to my goals or helping me grow or encouraging me to speak what was in my heart. And so I hid for a really long time. In 2014, my brother died and that shook me up quite a bit. 
2012, my mom left. In 2014, my brother died. And so for me, that was like an earthquake. Both of those events, 2015, my dad got sick. So it was like my foundational people who I had always relied on were gone. And it forced me to have to start coming out, <laughs> coming out of hiding, relying on myself, understanding the power within my own self and not needing to depend on other people. So in 2016, I, I had a conversation with Nick and I said, I'm done. I'm done being scared. I'm done hiding. I am doing this. So for four years before that, I had thought about starting a blog. I had thought about writing a book. I had thought about it. I had researched it. I had talked to some people about it. I read article after article after article on blogging and this and that, thinking, well, I'll just continue gathering information until until I have all the information that I need and then I can begin. <laughs> have you ever thought that? I'm sure you have. That's a way of hiding. It's a way of hiding because we'll never ever start. So I decided that no matter what the quality I was going to produce, <laughs> I also, shortly after that, ended up working with an amazing business mentor, expanding my business outside of just the counseling office, finding out about the world of online, absolutely beautiful, uh, and how small it makes our world. I just absolutely love it. Uh, and now podcasting. So here I am. Is this first podcast perfect? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but here I am putting it out in the world and moving forward. It's really, really my hope and my desire for you to be able to come back here every single week to learn something new, to pour into yourself, to nurture and love on yourself and to really truly understand at your core what a beautiful amazing valuable wonderful woman that you are and that is the heart of all of this I tell you a little bit about my story because I think it's important for you to know that my story my journey has not been a straight and narrow road. <laughs> it has been a series of twists and turns and falls and stumbles and so many things that I could continue to feel shameful about and hide from. But here's the thing. I've learned that the most effective tool is vulnerability and that we need to be vulnerable in order to have connection. And connection is absolutely vital in our lives. So I, I just pray that we're able to connect, that you're able to find hope and encouragement 
and growth in the things that I'm bringing to you every week and that you'll be able to be learn to speak your truth, to grow like crazy, and to rise from the challenges of life. So here we grow, my friends. Here, <laughs> this is the time. And I am so very excited to take this journey with you. Please find me on Facebook. I absolutely love my Facebook community, Instagram. I will put the, the links to my social media in the description of this podcast. Uh, I already have our first two guests coming up next week and the week after Trish Russell is next week, which is an awesome interview. And I just um, encourage you to come back and listen to that. I would love your feedback. I would love to know anything that you would like me to focus on. Please, please feel free to reach out to me. Look for my We Are Women Rising community on Facebook as well. It's a beautiful community of like-minded women where we can support each other and grow in that realm also. So again, I thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of my village. I am so, so grateful to have you.